hello! <laughs> Welcome to the lounge. Um, we're going to be discussing for the next hour um, Ed Axtell and life as a musician. Um, and we're going to open up for Q&A um, towards the end. So please do be thinking of anything you'd like to ask him um, about uh, worship, music, um, how to play guitar, how to pretend to play drums. Anything like that, you are free to go for. Um, Ed, as a, as a starting point, why don't um, tell us a bit about what are your current job roles? What do you do? Like, what do I do? How uh, would you right. describe yourself? Um, a ball of contained chaos. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, so no, my name's Ed. Uh, I'm originally from Community Church Bourne End. The, the irony, right? I have my mum and dad here. I, they didn't come for it. I, I brought them down just... I didn't bring them down just for this, but wouldn't that be cool? Um, but... Um, yeah, so I'm from there, but I live in Bath now, so I am a musician. Um, so that involves performing, writing, uh, production, gigging, uh, and I also, so I am the youth worship coordinator at uh, Life Church Bath, so that's kind of my two things. I do gigs and live performance, but then I also head up all our worship in a youth context as well. So that's me. I think that is me. Yeah. Why am I asking you? Because I'll know if that's me. Yeah, hopefully. Good start. Yeah, so what... You talk about... Um, you've mentioned there that you are a musician and mm. a gigging musician and performing musician. You write your own stuff um, and work with producing it and things like that. Um, and you're also a worship leader yeah. and have a ministry role. Yeah. Are those... Are those two things that have always grown alongside each other? Were you, were you a worship leader and then wanted to expand out into a sort of non-church space? Or how did that work for you? That's a really interesting question. Um, so, well, I, I, I think I started both kind of around when I was 14, I think. Um, there was... Yeah, I, I think especially when I started out, they were almost very different things. They weren't blended or combined. I'll stop staring at my shoes, um, however fantastic <laughs> colour they are. I think your faces are a lot better. Um, yeah, I, I, I started leading worship at home church when I was like 14 um, and just kind of mucked around with that and stumbled along and, and learned with that. And then I, at about the same time, maybe 15, 16, I... With this like record label academy thing, it was that sounds really pretentious. It was literally we were in a church hall with a basic sound system, and you came and sang a song with some people. Um, but like I did that, and I think they both just kind of developed separately, um, not linked at all. And then when I moved to Bath, started blurring the line between the two. I think I saw you might you might have heard this right. I think some people say there's there's worship and then there's secular right there's secular music and there's two camps and you can't have your foot in both you've got to have like it's 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 black and white but i'd argue that music especially if you're a christian is a massive gray haze of i might so the way i describe it now is you're not worshiping secular music there is congregational music so stuff that we might sing on a sunday morning or whatever and then there's just music there's worship right i think whatever you're writing if you believe in jesus it's worship it just may not be something you sing on a, a sunday i've gone off topic a tiny bit but i like it anyway no no i think that's really good cool that's really good so it's so thinking about that gray area then is that is that something where what you're doing what you're doing congregationally and what you're doing um as a as preparation for gigs mm. like do they bounce off each other like do they feed each other or or do they still feel as as separate separate creative endeavors ooh interesting well i guess that it's it's both i'd say so a lot of my role in the church context right is i've got young people 
that want to be involved in worship. It's not I get adults in and we do worship for the young people. My, like, very much I want young people leading worship for young people um, because I think that that just connects a lot more um, when you've got people leading who are your people, right? It'd be like if I, if I went and did like what? A gig at an old people's home. I think it would work, but two very different cultures. And I think that that would be evident. Um, but that's kind of that role. However, so I wouldn't say, I think some of the ways I do things professionally influence how I go about that because I, it's, it's my job. Like I'm, I'm in that industry. But I'd say it more goes the other way. I think the way that all the stuff we do with worship influences how I go about gigs. Um, and I'm going to like, this is not checklist. If you do this, then it, you're like good and you get brownie points and the gig's going to be better. Sometimes I do any of this stuff and, and gigs still crash. Um, but it's all good. I think it's, it's realizing that a gig space, even if you're in a space which is full of people that don't know Jesus, you can still connect with Jesus. Like I always think I try and take a bit of time before I do a gig and just go away and just pray or just get that time and realize that this is a really cool thing that I get to do. Like, I get paid to play music, which is fascinating and, and so cool. But if I'm doing it just for myself, then there's, like, there's no point in doing it. So I think yeah. one way, yes, maybe less so the other way. Yeah, that's, that's really, really interesting. I, similarly, I realized listening to, um, to Justin Bieber's song, Ghost. Yes. I, Justin Bieber attends a Hillsong-like church in America. His latest single sounds like a Hillsong song. <laughs> and I think, yeah, clearly, mm. congregational stuff spills over into, into professional life. Um, so, thinking about, like, what... So the title of this seminar is, like, Life as a Musician. Yeah. What does your day-to-day life actually look like? Interesting. Um, what are you talking about? Like my routine? What? Yeah, I guess when I think of when I think of musician out of the blue, mm. I think of like gigs and um, writing music and and practicing. Mm. And I'm sure that's part of your life. Yeah. I hope that's part of your life. I'd be worried if it wasn't. <laughs> but, like, what's around that as well? How much of that is what you do and how ah. much contributes to that as well? Yeah, I get you. So, yeah, so I do write and I do practice. Um, however, ironically, right, so most people, when they start out, aren't signed to a big label. Um, you don't have that big funding. It's, it's you and you're your boss and you have to do everything and if you don't do anything no one's going to get on your back or like tell you off it's just not going to get done so like yes I write and I record and I perform but there's also um, social media right so I have to do my social media stuff um, and I have to work out how to engage with people Um, why am I doing social media so yeah I have to be a, a social media creator I have to be a marketing person, so I have to work out how can I effectively use my money to reach new people that might like my music and might be more likely to engage with my music and follow. So I have to do marketing. Um, a lot of admin. No one tells you about admin. Um, but like emails, plenty of emails, phone calls, um, Website, so I have a website, but I, I have to manage that website. No one else manages that website. Um, merch as well. So I think it's at the moment, this is going to be super nerdy, and I don't think any of you expected to do this. I'm currently learning to code because on my website, I've got a, there's a piece of code which would theoretically, which would mean if you ordered one of my t shirts, please do, um, they, that would automatically be sent to the printers who would then automatically send it to you. Whereas at the moment, you order a t shirt, I get a notification, I then have to order the t shirt, and then I have to post it. So, so there's, it's, it's, 
it is, and the heart of it is, you're making art, and that's, that's so cool. But in the modern world of internet and connectivity and technology, there's loads of other things that can be involved. I'm not saying that if you go into music, you have to do all those things, right? It's your creative journey. You could do it however you want. This is just how I do it and how I've found, or what I've found, entails in that. Yeah. Um, and you you teach as well yes right so you yes. have you have like your your gig income and then you're teaching alongside it yeah. is that something that is you're starting out and therefore have to teach is that something that you think you'll always keep on doing is that um i will keep doing whatever i need doing that means i can have a roof and <laughs> eat food um, that's that's kind of my thing. Like I I love I love doing music and I love writing, recording, and gigging. Um, sadly, it doesn't always. It's not a super reliable income, and it doesn't always pay loads. However, teaching guitar pays very well, um, which is why one of the reasons I chose it. Because I, I remember I was finishing uni and I made a promise to myself. I was like, whatever I do, coming out of uni. I really want to be earning with a guitar in my hand, and teaching enables that. And I don't know if, um, if, if it will be something I do forever. It might be, it might not be. Um, but it gives me the financial freedom and the time as well um, to pursue my art to the standard that I want to. Um, yeah, that, that's... Did I answer the question? Yeah, yeah I did. you did, yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> I think that gives a, a really nice overview of sort of of what you're doing, like where you're at. How going back I can't remember how old you are, so I'm gonna say going back twenty years. What's when I was to 20? when to when you were a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just age you drastically. <laughs> um, in many decades ago. What what was looking back Mm. What were the sort of things that you you sort of look back on as oh I'm so glad that happened or that was really that was really helpful in getting me where I am now? Oh. And are there things that you'd I mean secondary to that I guess are there things that you would you would recommend for like anyone who is aspiring to a career within the music industry? Is there anything you'd sort of look back on and be like oh that that was really good or I wish I'd done that as well okay so pivotal moments that I think shaped yeah. m musically and yeah then let's start yeah let's, let's start, start with, that with one. let's go with that with one. key things and I I'm sure one of them will be performing uh, the lounge open mics I mean I, like you joke but <laughs> that, that like that was pretty formative for me um, I fun fun fact when I was younger I absolutely hated music um, whenever we'd have music on in the radio, in the car, in the radio, um, my sister would be singing. I'd be like, Mom, can you tell me to shut up, please? I don't like listening to them. Like, I'd hate music. Um, and and that, that was genuinely one of my younger years. And then I, I ended up getting guitar lessons um, when I was, like, five. Um... I think because mum and dad would hope it would give me an outlet and that would mean I would be quieter. Um, no. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, that, was, that was my... That, I think that was the first time I started really getting into guitar. And then, genuinely, like, I'm not saying this because David's bribed me <laughs> slash I'm serving here this year. Um, but, like, I, I started doing the lounge open mics quite early on um, and it, it was it was that like safe space like and I will say this now if any of you are like oh, I really want to do some performance stuff but it's, I'm really scared actually like this is a really scary thing lounge is one of the safest spaces or the most supportive spaces I found to like try stuff um, like you guys are fantastic you're always supportive um, it's such an amazing Hey, um, <laughs> um, hey, um, but it's 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 such a good space just to 
almost have that confidence boost. Like, I think that was where I was like, oh, I can, I can actually just... Ah... I mean, I want to say yes, but it might distract me. Um, later, later, we'll go later. Tactical. Um, yeah, I, so Lounge was very formative, and the team were always good at, like, giving me advice and feedback and just encouraging me in that. Yeah, see, no, but exactly, right? Like, that... Like, that's massive where, that's massive now, but even when you're, like, 13, 14, and you stand there and go, I'm going to play Fireflies by Our City, and I'm shaking. Like, that's... It's massive when you do that, and you're like, I don't know how anyone reacts, and then people are like, oh, I love that. Right, like a, a, a passing comment compliment, even by a random stranger, like, it, it means a lot to encourage someone. So I think that was that. The second question was advice for... Yeah, looking, looking back, is there stuff that that where you are now, you'd advise younger you to, to connect into or to, to do more of, or you'd advise people now? Uh, I think the biggest one for me is just simply have fun, right? Like, um, I, I never did guitar grades, right? So I, I currently hold the grade, I think it's, no, not even one. I hold the one before one, which is like initiate or whatever. Um, that is my guitar grade level. So I think a bunch of you probably have better guitar grades than I do. Um, but honestly, like, I, I found if I did it for fun, I wanted to keep going and I wanted to try things. And, and a, lot, a lot of the stuff or a lot of the ways I learned was just I'd hear something on a track or I'd see someone do something and go, that looks really weird or cool. I'm just going to try it. I'm not going to try it with a goal of incorporating it into a live set or, like, just anything like that. I was like, that looks cool and I want to do it and it looks like fun. And... That, I think that was the, one of the biggest lessons is have fun with it. And then I think definitely in the past couple of years, um, I don't know if any of you are like me with this, I, I like to have, or I, like, I really did like to have a lot of control over my creative process. Like I like to hold on really tightly to my songs um, and not let many people into that creative process. And I found they were okay. But the moment I started letting, even if it's a simple thing of getting someone else to drum on tracks, I'm not a drummer, right? I am horrific at drums. I get my feet mixed up and everything. I'm like a duck. It's, it's horrific. Exactly. Um, but actually sharing your songs with people and letting other people get involved in them, I think takes them in a direction often that you didn't see them going, but also raises the potential of that space. So I think those are the two things. As long as you're having fun, then you're doing a great job, right? Like, I, I wouldn't fast... Like, we're so fixated on, on stats and numbers and, oh, I've reached an extra 67 people in Europe today. That is fantastic. What must I do? Like, you can get so bogged down on stats that at the end of the day, what you're doing is creating art, right? You're, you're doing a very vulnerable thing of this is something that you have created or you've been given to create and even if it meets one person or hits home with one person that's incredible that's the goal is to have fun and connect not be fixated on numbers and stats and, and all that stuff right that, that's I would argue that's not the place for music yeah how do you how do you keep yourself in that place how do you not not worry about um, particularly when when your income's related to it how do you not worry about what's most popular and and what are other people doing as compared to what what your art is i guess it's it's given myself some grace like i say this i i am endlessly in this feedback loop of of looking at stats and getting fixated in stats and then going oh, but it's not about stats it's about people Right, what I what I love about music and what I love about gigs and even worship as well, especially worship, right? All of those things have the the overarching theme of connection, right? Congregational worship, we're coming together and we're declaring all together that this is what we believe. We're connecting on that point. If it's my gig, we're all coming or if it's any gig, right, we're coming into a space and connecting to the music, to the lyrics, to the, the ethos of an artist, right? We're connecting. Um, one, like, I, I, one of the things that I think 
so is sobering. I think yeah, probably that's the the sobering thing for me is when I'll go do a gig right, and I get to have maybe one or two of these conversations every gig if I'm really lucky, of just people just come up and share how they've connected with my songs, or how that song and that gig really impacted them, and that's for me the grounding point of it. Um, and it's going, oh, actually, like, like, that's where I get a real kick. Um, I think we call it a gig high, so it's just an adrenaline rush. Um, but that's, that's really where I connect, is, oh, like, someone heard that song, and it really hit home for them. And I think that, that's, for me, the moment where I start, like, helps me back off a little bit from being fixated on stats and numbers. I guess... While we're talking about this, the, the elephant in the room. Um, how's the last three years been? <laughs> um, Pandemic, lockdown. Yeah. How's, how's that been as a, as a musician that gigs? Um, okay, so two, I, I would say it's, this is a contradicting answer mm. in that initially it was really hard. Um, but actually, I would I would argue a lot. There's still a lot of things. So the live industry is still really reeling from um, from COVID. Like literally, we can experience it outside. One of the reasons that the big top doesn't isn't here this year is because of the knock on of COVID. Um, however, there's a lot of positives that came out of it. Um, I was really fortunate that I was I was in my last year of uni. Um, in 2020 so I, I got to ride out some of the worst of it still getting student finance and learning and, and educating I got to kind of have that shelter and I realised that I'm incredibly fortunate compared to some of my other friends but the, great, the greatest challenge and then also the greatest freedom of the pandemic was that you couldn't do things how you always did them if, if I wanted to record drums I couldn't go into a studio um, if I wanted to get my friend to record piano, I couldn't go into a studio. So I, I had to work out creative ways of recording music and releasing it because I couldn't go through the rhythms. And I think that's been a really cool opportunity for creatives is that it's, it's kicked the rhythm. You can't maintain it. You can't keep doing it in that pandemic because... Otherwise, you'd get nowhere. Um, so, for instance, I ended up recording all, all my drummer. We all did like a Zoom call, and he recorded all his drums in his living room. Um, and it's, it's on Spotify, and they sound really good, but we just had to get really weird with how we recorded stuff. And a lot of the piano tracks on... A lot of my tracks are recorded on that piano. We didn't get a live one. We just stuck it through a computer and, and made sounds from that. And... So I think the pandemic's been hard, especially considering so gigs and live music or live musicians earn most of their money out of the culmination of gigs because of merch sales and all that stuff. It's not streaming. Um, so to have that taken away has been challenging, but I think it's, it's allowed people to be creative in their creative process, which I think has been quite cool. Yeah, and a real, I guess, a real levelling of the field almost of people recording music in their bedrooms at home being on a very similar footing to, to people who would have had quite expensive yeah. studio access. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really cool, right? And, I, like, don't, don't write yourself off if you've got, like, a two-track interface and what a free recording software and like really basic stuff like don't don't write yourself off with that um you can create some really cool music with just what you've got lying around it just requires you to be a bit creative um if you're setting out to go for that super polished like adele level music then you might really struggle with that but the moment you almost surrender that goal and go i'm just going to create something um I think there's some really cool stuff. Like I, I mean, perfectionism for me is a really big thing. So, Elijah, which I released last year, 
I went through 65 versions before I finished. I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm like, I'm not recording anymore. I'm just, I'm just sending it off. It's finished. Otherwise, because I could spend my... I probably on version 230. I'd probably still be working on it, <laughs> genuinely, if, if I just didn't hit send. Um, so, yeah, I think it, 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 it was a bit of a leveling block. Um, but nowadays, right, you don't need... Like, you don't need a studio. They're great to have. But if you're just having fun and being creative with how you do stuff, you can really make something work in your bedroom. Like, all my songs so far, have, apart from the drums, were recorded in my bedroom. I had two microphones and my bedroom. And that's where everything's been recorded so far. Um, yeah. yeah. I've just got two shorter questions, and then I think we'll open up... Yeah to the floor um, first uh, what is the um, what are a couple of artists that are inspiring you at the moment who are you loving ooh um, I really like Dermot Kennedy um, I really like his voice um, and just just yeah I really like Dermot Kennedy's voice I don't know if any know the band Kaleo they're like an Icelandic rock band um their vocalist is also stunning, but they're, they're very good at not going overboard with stuff. It's very much like it's a four-piece band. That's all it is. Um, and I think it sounds really clean and really tight. Um, I don't know a third one. Um, got some friends of mine that called... So they're, they're called Firewood Island, and they're based in Bristol. Um, and they have a very similar setup. They have a spare room. That is their studio. Um, and Stian, who's in the band, has the ability to make the weirdest noises out of, or like the most incredible production value out of basic default logic plugins and sounds. Um, they're three that I, I like. I love, and Firewood Island especially, I think, challenge me to get better with what I'm trying to record because they're just so creative. And they do it just to have fun. But they're so creative with how they make noise that it's like, ah. Oh, I could really learn something from that. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. And my, my final question oh, no. is, um, what's, what's the favourite bit of music that you've created for you? And, um, and if it's released, where can people find it? Ooh. Um, favourite bit of music that I've created? I think there's two. Am I allowed to say two? Go for it. Thank you. So <laughs> the one that's been released, they've only got two songs out at the moment. There are more coming after, after New Day. So to keep you... I was going to say eyes peeled, but that sounds horrific. I'm sorry. Um, keep your ears peeled. Um, that's not it either. We'll stop. Um, yeah, so the, the bridge of Elijah, um, I really like. So I, I'd recorded it and it sounded okay. And this was the first song I'd ever released. And I got it back from my mixing engineer. And he, I listened to it, and I, I think I sat there for half an hour just going back to the beginning of the bridge, listening to it through, and I just was on this bridge loop for half an hour because it, I, like, I, just, I just love how it sounds. Um, and then another bridge is... I've got a song called Kiyoshi coming out at some point, um, and I... This is the great thing with music. I think sometimes you just get these like inspirational bursts. And you go, I'm just going to do something, and and it's that phrase like throwing spaghetti. At the, who's heard the phrase throwing spaghetti at a wall? Two of you, right? <laughs> so, the idea of throwing spaghetti at the wall—if you throw enough of it, eventually something will stick. Um, and that's kind of very much how I do stuff with with my production and with my recording. I'm just going to throw ideas into this and some things will sound good, some things will sound rubbish, but I'm just going to throw them in and give them all a chance. And I ended up putting a bunch of like vocal harmonies in and came back after like 10 minutes and was like, oh, this sounds awesome. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to hear that when it comes out. That should be, yeah, definitely before November, that one should be coming out. So, yeah. Brilliant. Um, is there a member of the lounge team who can run around with the radio mic? Let's see who gets yes. to the front. Yeah. This is really surreal. I used to do this. This, used to, <laughs> this, this is my favourite thing to do. And now I don't get to do it. Oh. Okay, so if you've got any questions, put your hand up. You can be asking about music, worship, 
anything we haven't covered that you'd like Tim to answer, feel free. Interesting. Um, the answer, no. Um, I have a degree, so I, I, I got a master's in commercial music, which is quite a mod. It's like a modern version of music degree, and it was like journalism, product, all like all factors of the music industry. I, I dabbled with, um, but I didn't do a th- any like ABSM theory degrees. Not saying there's anything wrong with them. If you if you get value out of them, go for it, do it. Um, I just found doing those exams A-levels oh yeah I did a music tech A-level um, but I I, yeah if you enjoy doing that stuff and you find it gives you value go for it I just found that I just started getting fixated on grades and that loop and I was like ugh this is I don't I'm not enjoying this but yeah so I, I don't um, no That that changes. Um, top three. Oh, um, my favorite three songs. That's a really hard question. Yeah, it changes so much. Um, at the moment, I really love. Um, there's a cover of Yellow by Mr. Wives and Floor, which I love. Um, what other songs are my fixated on at the moment? I love. A friend of mine, Joshua Luke Smith, he wrote a song called uh, Defiant Ones. I really like that one. And finally, oh, this is a really hard question, especially when I haven't got my phone. I can't just stare at my Spotify playlist. Um, I really like Kaleo. I really like uh, No Good. Yeah, those are my three. I'll say those are my three. They'll change in like 20 minutes, but <laughs> right now. Yes, 100%. So, like, my, my thing with worship, right, my... Huh? Oh, repeat, repeat the question. Who said repeat the question? Oh, so... Oh. So for those who um, who didn't pick up on that, that was um, can um, do you think that classical music can be used within a worship context? Yeah, and yeah, a hundred percent. So my thing with worship, right, or congregational worship, is you are putting Jesus at the top of your priorities. That's what worship is, right? We're we're saying in this space, in this context, you are my priority. You are my focus, even if that's for 20 minutes or five minutes, if so there's two, there's two ways, right there's congregational and then there's personal worship if that does if, if that in, helps you engage with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that's fantastic if in a congregational setting this is the balance, because you're trying to serve the church as well um, in a personal thing, I think there's a, in a personal worship there's a lot more freedom to, to do what engages with you when you're doing congregational worship or you're leading in a congregational worship setting um, so like on the big top or whatever um, the second, when you're leading what you're trying to do is the way, the way I, I describe it, it's like you're a sat nav, right um, you are helping guide people from where they're at to the destination Jesus and you are guiding them along that journey. If classical music helps the people you're leading to get there, go for it, like absolutely 100%. However, if you find that it's a hindrance or people are getting caught up on it, then I would suggest it may not be the best thing in that context. But the amazing thing about worship is worship looks so different, especially here, right? I think worship would look different at every single church that is represented here, and worship would look different to every single person that is here on a personal level. So it may not work in the space that you're in now, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work ever. So that's, does that answer the question? Sweet. In general, is there anything specific you want advice in? Okay. So, 
So, the, the amazing thing, right, is you are all unique in your strengths and weaknesses, right? You all have amazing talents, and you all have, and I'm going to say this, and you might not agree with me, you all have amazing weaknesses. And the reason I believe they're amazing weaknesses is because that's an opportunity for someone else's strength to shine through. So I would say, if you really struggle with uh, script writing, wasn't it? If you really struggle, then it's finding a friend or, or someone that actually, that is, that is their strong point, right? They are so good at that and getting them involved in the process. So for instance, I suck, and I, I'm not, not joking around, I am rubbish at writing drum parts, okay? I, I, I can't play this thing, I can't hear this thing, it, it, it's, it's a bunch of, and I'm really sorry drummers, it, for me it's a bunch of circles that make really cool drum noises that I can't do. So I get drummers in to write drum parts for me on songs, and my songs are significantly better in my opinion because I've given the space for someone's strength to come through in that process. Where's Jet? There's a hand over there. Is Jet, where's Jess running? Oh, you've got one over here. Great, cool. I couldn't see Jess. Start, so let's say, okay, so what, how do I go about releasing my first song? Um, I, I am a perfectionist, or I struggle with perfection. Um, so I kept on kicking it down the, the curb for about three years whilst I was at uni, and I realized I can't call myself a, a, like a performing or a singer-songwriter if I don't release any songs, because then I'm, that's not my job. Um, so what I did is I set myself an ultimatum, and I had to, in my fourth year, I had to have a big project, my big project was I'm going to release three songs. Um, and the black and white of it was if I didn't release those songs or have those songs recorded, I wouldn't get my degree. Um, so that was... That, I'm not saying everyone has to set a, a big ultimatum like that, but that was the kind of like kick I needed to get started with that. And then I just... Um, with Elijah, that was the first song. I, I'd been playing it for a long time, so I just... I threw in my... A rough two clicks, so in time, guitar and vocal line, and I had that as my basis, and I just kind of listened to some songs that I, I liked the vibe of, and I was like, oh, okay, maybe I could throw this in, and I just threw spaghetti at a wall, um, I, and I ended up just throwing things in, a lot of things came back out, some things went back in, and just put stuff in and built it and listened, and the, the thing I end up going with is not what do I want to put in the song, but what does the song need in certain bits? Because I might really want to put some bits in, but it might be like an ego boost or like I'm just doing it because not going, actually, the song really needs this. I'm going to put it in. And then gig-wise, um, I, I started with open mics. I think the first couple of things was like I played in some pubs back home um, and no one listens to you because they're all having a drink, but like... I started playing there, and then I got invited to play a, a small beer festival back home, um, and I went to play there, and then it's just finding those opportunities. Like I'd say, the biggest places start with open mic nights, because then you get to engage with the community and the culture of musicians in that area, and then you find if you engage, and not just play, right? Like, the most important thing about all these things is people. So, spend time connecting with those people, chatting with them, and you build relationship. And then you find that there's a knock-on. They, they randomly, you get random opportunities. Um, and it builds from there. So start open mic nights, like the easiest place to access. If you're younger, please make sure you go with your parents or check with your parents that you're okay before I get told <laughs> off. Um, but start there. And again, as you're younger as well, please be careful with who you're engaging with. I realize I'm not chatting to like 20-year-olds and whatever. <laughs> please be really careful, chat with your parents, keep your parents, right? You, your safety is my, like, upmost priority. Um, and just kind of go from there. It takes time. It takes time to build it, but that's a good starting point. Um, yeah.
Is this, what, with the guitar? With bass guitar. Oh, that's a challenge. So, okay, the, pra- the, the easiest thing I can think of, you might already know this, um, go with a smaller bass guitar scale length. That's the easiest way to just make things a little tighter and closer. Um, I found this. So, for instance, when I was younger, and I still hate doing this, I hate playing bar chords. Really don't like them. They're a faff um, and everything. So I, I looked at a bit of theory and I found that there were ways of me playing guitar chords or bass chords with an open. I wasn't barring. And I found because I wasn't doing that, I had more finger strength to do things. Um, you might find retuning some of your strings so you don't have to stretch four frets. You now only have to stretch three, stre- three frets. might be easier. might be a thing as well pushing down if your hand's stretched pushing down the strings is too much might try a lighter string gauge um, this is the great thing right with, with guitars and that's my like safety point I am a guitarist there are loads of little things you can do to move the goalposts a little closer or like make it easier for you it's just being creative and trying things so I'd say try those things um, and see if that helps they probably all help a little bit and combined, they then help a good amount. That would probably be what I'd recommend. Yeah, I just kicked my bottle over on a stage. I'm sorry. Um, can I ask where you studied music? Yeah, so I studied my degree at Bath Spa University. Big up Spa. Um, yeah, David went to Spa as well. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where I studied Bath Spa University. Um, and it was the commercial music course, not the... Not the generic music course, um, or the classical music course. Um, yeah. Is it working? Uh, what advice can you give to current students in the industry, like music students? Was that, um, what advice yeah, would you yeah, give sorry, to like, music enough. students? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, that's a really good question. Okay, if this is about your studies, the thing I, I found most beneficial is I didn't choose the modules that I knew I could do, get the best grade on. I chose the modules that I had absolutely no idea on. Um, so I, I, did a, I did a module on visual identity, which is looking at, like, you, you know in English GCSE, where they make you, you, like, read a book, and then you've got to waffle loads of, like, weird stuff for, like, half an hour, and then you get marked on how good your waffle is, such as, like, oh, the desk in... in Benny's room in Animal Farm in front of the window symbolizes that he will never achieve the American dream because his work always gets that, that kind of dribble, right? That's what I had to do for a, a whole term on films. Um, and I didn't know what it was about, but I did it. Or, and I did like a video editing module. Did I know how to edit films? No. I do now. But that would be my thing is you've got a fantastic opportunity where you're getting paid to learn. So take all those opportunities where you're like I don't know how to do that. I'm getting paid to do this. I'm going to go learn that. And also just like build relationships. A lot, a lot of like especially at university like a lot of my network and a lot of the contacts that help me do my job are my uni friends. That, that, I think those would be my two main bits of advice. Yeah. I've lost Jess. There's Jess. Uh, what first inspired you to start writing? What first inspired me to start writing? Um, I went to the academy night one day and they gave us a bunch of newspapers and said, you are going to write a song. Um, here is a newspaper, chop some words up and throw them together. That was, that was kind of the first... Because like, I didn't know how to write a song. That was kind of my, my first entry point of doing it. And I found I kind of enjoyed it. Um, I'll be honest, I'm not one of those creatives that I, I don't think I write songs very often on a particular topic or go, I'm going to make a statement. Um, quite literally, and I'll be honest with this, I wrote Elijah at 2 a.m. in first year. It was a recording on my phone. To this day, I don't know what it's about. Um, people really like it, and that's fantastic. But I, I, that's my process. And I, it just kind of, it's, it's, it's just verbal, uh, and I have fun with it. So I don't know if anything really inspires me. I just really enjoy doing it, and that's my, like, goal with it, is just have fun. 
I always thought that song was really deep, and I just didn't understand what it was about. Yeah, no, <laughs> the, um, the, you'll hear this tonight. My other song, The Lark, um, which is out as well, plug. Um, that, that seems really deep and moody, and it was literally because in first year there was a girl outside standing in the snow smoking a cigarette, um, and that, that inspired the whole song. Um, when someone found out, they weren't too happy about that. So... <laughs> Just have fun with it, really. Is there another question? Can you play one of your songs now? Oh, oh, here we go. Opportunity plug. Not now. However, I'm doing a gig here at the lounge tonight, where you get to hear 45 minutes of my stuff, right? So if if you want to hear songs that I'm not entirely sure about what all they're written about tonight, did I do that right, David? Yeah, that, that can was I, very Can good. I get my? Do I get payment afterwards? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll great, pay cool. you after. Thanks. Yeah. Great. Now then. <laughs> Yeah, um, I have two questions. Ooh. Um, the first one is, earlier you kind of talked about worship music and then also gigging. And um, what do you write about? What inspires you? Is there a bit of overlap um, from worship music in terms of your meanings and songs? Well, I know you just talked about it and you said it's a bit of... Yeah, no, no, I, I can answer it. Don't worry, there's, it's, it's, there's a really good question. I think it's, So what do I... Is there an overlap? Yes, I think there's an overlap. I think if, if you are saying that you believe that Jesus died for you and that through him you get eternal life, I think inevitably that will impact what you're writing about and, and the, the angle you have on things because it's a very different angle from what world culture has on things. So I'd say yes. Um, what are my influences on stuff like that? Yeah, I, I don't actually know. Um, on a lot of this stuff. I think some things start with, like, I, I'll write it, and then I have to go digging and work out what I wrote. So there's a song that I wrote called Evergreen, um, and I have no idea. A lot of the time, these things are just kind of almost emotional expressions of how I'm feeling. Um, so Evergreen is a song, I think, or when I went back and, like, thought about it, is a song about being vulnerable, about opening up to vulnerability, Still don't know what Elijah's about. I'm really sorry, guys. Like, you can, you can write it on the back of a card and, and submit it, and the best one I'll, I'll claim that's what it is, and you can get some, like, credit or something. Um, yeah. Does that answer both questions? Or was there another one? You had another one? Phil, I can't hear him. Ooh, hello, hello, hello. I can yeah. hear him. Yeah. Um, so my other question was, um, a lot of the time when people are considering... Um, like a career out of the arts, hmm. often they are dissuaded by the fact that there's a lot of pressure um, on your creative side, and that sometimes takes away from your creativity, and therefore you kind of end up almost, I guess, writing in a formula which works to make money maybe, and has making a career out of music impacted your hobby and your passion for music? Ooh, I think... Yes, to some extent. Um, however, for me, so this is where my teaching comes in really handy, right? My teaching is my main earner. Um, that is what keeps me financially safe. And through that, it alleviates some of the pressure of going, I have to write a good song, because otherwise like, I'm not going to be able to afford to live. Um, and I think that... That's definitely helped. It, it does change how I, I do things. Again, like when I started, I didn't think about marketing, social media, the, all those admin bits, right? I just wrote some songs, and they were my things. And if people came to my gigs, they, they heard them, but I didn't go any further with that. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a balance, right? Um, and I realized the title, like we said, this is life as a musician, right? A musician is not just the title of someone that is a professional, right? If you, and even a creative, right? Life is a creative. A creative is not someone that makes money off of their, their art, right? That is not the, the gateway to being a creative. The gateway to a creative is you picking up the thing, your like, outlet, your media, and making something. The moment you do that, whether it's good, bad, successful, or like hides on your phone for three years, you're a creative. Um, and I was going somewhere with that creative yeah um, that's, my, that's my thinking on that is 
if you decide you don't want to make it your living, but you just want to do it as your hobby, right? You do it every once in a while, you pick up your guitar, or you, you make a documentary, just for the fun of it, right? That's, that's awesome. Like, that's so cool. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're a failure, that doesn't mean that you, you are less successful. Success is if it brings you joy, and I think, ultimately, if it strengthens your relationship with Jesus. I'd say if anything strengthens your relationship with Jesus, even if it doesn't bring a penny in, it's pretty successful. Yeah. Hi. Um, bit of a change of topic. What is your uh, opinion on releasing singles versus albums or EPs? I think it depends on how successful you are as a musician. Um, so I would say if you're... Even like I'm not super, I'm not like majorly successful at all, right? I, I'm a very much a small indie artist. I would say me releasing an album is one incredibly expensive, um, and so not advised. However, while saying that, there is two. As I said earlier, there are two ways. If you are make, if you're releasing it with the goal of making money and building it out and like building it as your profession I would recommend against it I'd say singles do that a lot better however if you are making an album because you want to make an album that is absolutely perfect justification to make an album right if you want to make an album make an album if you want to make an EP make an EP like you do what you want to do if if you if you're really fussed with numbers and money, then it, it will most likely have a, an impact on them. They may not be as successful. However, if you really want to do it, do it. Um, hello. Uh, this is a question kind of for all creatives. Ooh. Um, so be scared. Um, <laughs> but how do you go about as a creative person even promoting yourself or getting yourself out there I know we've got like social media but you've also got gigs and things like that and for anybody doing any kind of creative outlet whether it's music, art poetry, writing, anything um, how do you suggest they start to put themselves out there because it can feel very big and scary even starting yeah and it is um, it is big and scary like you have the ability to connect with seven to eight billion people um, which is terrifying um, the biggest advice I think I've found is uh, I remember someone telling me that there is and this is for you as well right? all of you are the best of the world in, being, in doing something right and it's all the exact same thing that you are all the best in the world at being yourself right like, no one can match you on that. And I think, especially in a culture where we, like, you can swipe your thumb and you can put a filter on your appearance. Like, you, you, you can wear so many masks digitally and also personally, right? I think the most attractive quality in today is unashamed originality. And I think it takes time to build those things, but people are attracted to people that go this is who I am this is who God made me to be and I'm, I'm not ashamed by that like I, I may not be perfect no no I am not perfect there's no may about it I am not perfect in the slightest but this is who God made me to be and I think the, the moment you start embracing that and that's quite a personal journey because you have to stare your imperfection straight in the eye and go I'm okay with you um, and that's a it, that's a journey you're going to be doing for the rest of your life um, I think the, that is the biggest recommendation is, is be you on those things yeah you can look at how some platforms are doing really well on, or how some brands are doing really well on their, their, um, their social media and their techniques and that but it's not you that's them um, so I'd reckon it's scary it, especially when you're on a social media platform but being vulnerable and being unashamedly authentic I think is the best thing that anyone could do in like promoting and marketing yeah what time are you doing your gig tonight oh uh, we open at nine so after big top so after big top come down and I may not be on straight away I think we've got a support artist lined up but plug we have some really good fruit fizzy drinks and popcorn <laughs> right 
do I get my honestly do I get do I get my payment I'm doing really hard at this no yeah yeah tonight after the main meeting probably around 10 there we go that's one I'm on thank you David oh oh Phil can I hear him What's your name on Spotify? So my name is my actual name, which is Ed Axtell, and you spell that with A-X-T-E-L-L. Um, that is my name, and that is how you'll find me on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, or, or all things, right? If, if, you, if you have some way of absorbing music, my name is on there. Um, I apologize. Um, yeah. Uh, it's, at least it's not like you 2 where you bought an iPhone, and then they just forced an album onto your phone that you couldn't remove. <laughs> Maybe I should do that next time. That is, that is already a dated reference. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got any more questions? I oh, we got, oh, we got time for any more questions. I think we've got time for one or two more. So. Oh, there's one behind you, oh, Jess. Wait, Jess, you... Jess, there was one behind you. There was a hand. There was a hand. I will say, I will say, right, I, I am stuck in this cow shed for the next week, right? So if you suddenly have questions you want to ask or we don't get around to all of them, like grab me and I will try my best to answer them. I might be running around throwing microphones at other people, but like, I will try my best to answer them for you throughout the week. Do you find that collaborations with other artists really further your career? And if so, I've got three quarters of Lib Nye the 2018 Battle of the Bands winners here, Ooh. and we can help if you like. Oh, hello. <laughs> that was smooth, I love it. Um, I think yes and no. Uh, I think it depends on the person. There are some people I've worked with and like for me relationship is a massive thing um like they might be a very successful person or a a very prominent label or like whatever but if if they're all about that and not wanting to build a relationship i'm i'm not interested so i i've just started working with a booking agent um and i i love working with them because them as an individual really want to build relationship and connection that's big for me um it may not be and yeah it may not be immediate collaborating with people you might just do it for the fun of it um but yeah some collabs do some collabs don't but you don't know if they work out unless you give them a go um as long as you're looking after yourself and keeping yourself safe um i think give them a go see where they go unless they ask you for money before providing a service because that's bad that is sketchy don't do that Ooh. hey ed um so for budding musicians and budding creatives that we see around us how can we pray for them oh, i love that question stewie um oh i've never been asked that question that's such a good one how can we pray for them um i think Pray that they're not stuck on comparison. I think comparison just steals all joy and all creative. I pray, uh, well, yeah, I guess that would be. So, yeah, I pray that they don't get caught up with comparison. Um, I pray that they, they would be confident and continue to grow in who they are as an individual and who they're made to be, not who they want to be, right? That's the challenging one. Not who you want to be, who God made you to be. Um, uh, and I would pray that yeah no those are the two main points I could go on and on and on those are the two ones no comparison and that they are unashamed in who God made them to be not who they want to be yeah okay so Ed's going to be performing here tonight so do come along for that Um, we've got another seminar in here tomorrow at the same time where I'm going to be chatting with the wonderful Jess Debenham Um, about she's been um, releasing music over the last sort of year. So we're going to talk about the, the process from sort of conception through to, to release of, of singles and, and stuff like that. Um, and then just in way of closing, would you like to pray for us? No. Yes, no, I, I would. <laughs> <laughs> After all that, no. Um, yeah. Father, thank you so much for all these amazing people that um, took a chance and came out. I, I pray that they got something from this. Uh, I pray that people were challenged by this. Uh, and I pray that you continue to encourage them in all their creativity. 
um, and that you, sorry, there's a radio going on behind me and it's really annoying. Um, yeah, I pray that you continue to help them grow in their creativity and that you, throughout this week and beyond this week, uh, continue to remind them of how amazing you are as a father uh, and build a closer relationship with them. In your mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Sweet. Let's give a huge round of applause, Fred. Okay, it is now four o'clock. I think there is some more open micy stuff happening, so there will be music to entertain you all soon. Yay.